This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Hey, this is Kellen Day. And this is Bentley Manning. It's Wednesday, May the 27th, and this is our 11th episode. Sorry we uh, took a little break last week, but um, we needed to kind of regroup and spend a little time doing other things. So here we are, uh, two weeks later. We're back. Uh, it's been raining for two, Ever. two weeks straight. Um, I'm thinking we need to get some lumber and build an ark. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of water. There's a lot of water, and there's more coming this week. Uh, speaking of water, Bentley, I heard that your house has um, gained a few new creatures. Yeah, so my daughter, Mary Bentley, um, is quite the naturalist. She, in our house, right, we've got two dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that... We have two tadpoles. This is why we need an ark. We're going to put them all in the ark two by two. <laughs> but we have two tadpoles, a slug. I think one of we had two slugs. One of the slugs got out. Oh, no. Um, but the tadpoles, yeah, they, they found these little guys on a hike. Um, unclear what the tadpole's going to turn into. Well, not that unclear. <laughs> All right, at this point in the podcast, we had a laughing fit, so had, we had to stop and start again. That's right, Kellen. It's, it is going to be an amphibian, I, but it could be like a salamander, apparently. Right. There's, there's, it won't there be, are parameters. It won't be a horse. No. But it could be a salamander. It could be a frog. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be a frog. That's my gut instinct. And we don't know what kind of frog it will be. True. Tree frog. Mm-hmm. Um. And a tree frog, just like a really bright green little guy. Yeah, so <laughs> we'll see. A bullfrog. We'll see. I'm a little nervous that um, if they're if they're left in the cage together, things could go wrong. <laughs> oh no! And let me just say, Kellen, that I know from experience that having two animals in a little cage together is a bad idea. Mary Bentley has had over the years um, hamsters and mice. And when you put them in a small space together, things do go wrong. So speaking of animals and tight spaces, Bentley, um, you know, there's been a lot, a lot of chat going on about returning to um, church, you know, from all sorts of people in the last week. And I'm just wondering if you want to, like, comment, add your two cents to the discussion. I think, so, you know, I, there there have been what I would describe as probably extremes mm-hmm. on either end. So one extreme would be um, a message that says it's essential for the church to gather together uh, and to kind of not worry about any of the health risks involved with getting people back together for worship. Uh, That's one perspective that um, has been shared. Uh, The other extreme uh, comes from a voice that says something like, the church has continued doing everything that the church always does, 
and we have been uninterrupted by this. We're just continuing to do the same things that we always do. And like we're still the church. Right. We're still the church. Um, and there are truths in both of those perspectives, for sure. Um, on the one end, the work of the church, I think, is essential. Whether or not we have to be physically together uh, to carry out that work is what I would maybe question. Uh, the other is that, um, yeah, of course we're still the church when we're not gathered together. And, and so, you know, I think both of those extremes and I'd call them extremes, are in the water a bit. Yeah, so that's my sense of the kind of landscape. And there's a lot of space in the middle, but kind of curious, Kellen, what do you think about any of that? I mean... Well, I think that you narrated that really well, Bentley. Just like very clear, um, like the the two camps that kind of are most vocal right now, um, you just named, and there are truths in both of those camps, um, but maybe the extremism on both sides is not super productive for the ongoing conversation. So I feel like we could summarize this conversation with a couple cliches, right? Like the church is the building is one camp. And then the church is not the building is the other camp. And both are um, true and not true simultaneously. Right. That seems spot on that these two cliches kind of exemplify either end of the spectrum. Uh, we've thought about having a class on Christian cliche, and we could add this to the list of things to talk about. But Kellen, talk a little bit more about the lie uh, that the church is on the one end, not the building, and then on the other end um, is the building. So I feel like the camp that says the church is not the building doesn't fully grasp the um, importance of the embodied gatherings, the sharing and the Eucharist, the um, the essential nature of the body coming together to worship, right? They're not giving um, voice to that aspect of our common life um, because the church is a worshiping body. <laughs> and it's really hard to do that over a screen by yourself in your living room. It's super hard to do that. Um, and the sacramental life of the church is, you know, necessarily physical and uh, requires us being together. On the other side, the church is just the building. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, doesn't uh, take into consideration the fact that um, we get sent out every week. <laughs> you know, we're only in church on Sundays and the church continues to um, fulfill its mission and its work in the world um, every other day of the week. And um, Yeah, I think one of the temptations of the church being the building is to assume that this is all held together by our uh, mustering up our energy and our efforts, where, you know, what we proclaim is that we're held together by the power of God, right? It's, It's the work of the Holy Spirit that binds us together and is the glue, the fabric that kind of knits us together as a body. Um... But then how that body functions, to your point, Kellen, is deeply incarnational uh, and is one that leads us to being physically present with each other. And space matters. I, I, the other day, someone was arguing about whether or not space matters in terms of what we believe and what we do and how we live in the world. And, you know, it's all subjective. Um, and they said, well, when was the last time you had a picnic in a Target parking lot? And I don't think anyone's ever done that. Um, but 
where we find ourselves changes the way we view the world. And I think there's something vitally important about coming together. I mean, there's this just natural impulse on the part of worshiping communities, Christian or otherwise, throughout the centuries to create spaces that enhance, deepen our prayer life. Um, They form us, right? They form us to be, uh, you know, selfless, sacrificial, loving humans in the world. Like without that space, like where does formation happen? Um, Like how can you learn to be the church in the world if you don't learn to be the church at church? And as we think about the church and how the church forms us and and teaches us and leads us uh, into deeper communion with God and each other, uh, it's a wonderful time to then to turn our attention to uh, this coming Sunday, which is Pentecost. It's the Feast of Pentecost. So we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, the feast itself and then dig a little bit deeper into the readings. It's also known as the birthday of the church. All right, so the story of Pentecost is told, I think, most clearly in our reading from Acts of the Apostles. Kellen, would you give us a summary of what's going on in our reading from Acts? So the story of Pentecost begins um, with the disciples being together, classic, and um, (laughs) then there's this sudden rush of wind and... um, divided tongues as a fire. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but that comes upon each of the disciples and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak other languages. And they caused such a um, raucous that other Jews in Jerusalem flocked to the scene to see what was going on. And they said, aren't these, you know, Galileans? Like, why are they speaking in all these languages? And some of them were amazed and others just thought they were drunk. But then Peter, standing among the disciples, raises his voice and addresses all of those who are um, looking upon them and speaks to them this oracle from the prophet Joel, um, which is very epic, and I'll let you all wait to hear that on Sunday. Um, But ends up that a number of, you know, followers came to believe. The only part, Kellen, that I have issue with is, you know, in... When Peter starts up... With my summary or with the text? No, with the text, with with the reading. Um, When Peter says, hey, look, these folks are not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Clearly, Peter had never been to New Orleans. (laughs) Well, I haven't been either, so I can't really attest to that. Those people need to go to church. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but being a bit more serious, uh, Kellen, what comes to mind? You're preaching on Sunday. Um... What jumps out in our reading from Acts? I just feel like there are so many things we could talk about with Pentecost Bentley. I'm having a hard time kind of landing on one particular thing. Um, The first thing that comes to mind, which is not really directly in the reading, but I feel like our readings over the past two Sundays have really, like, um, set us up for Pentecost, right? Like Jesus two Sundays ago promises um, to send his advocate. He promises that we won't be orphaned. Um, last Sunday, Jesus ascended, kind of making room for um, the spirit to come. And so I'm just struck with um, 
maybe the the faithfulness of God uh, in this season, right? We kind of move from like, I promise that you won't be left alone. I promise that you'll have someone. And then uh, on Pentecost, we really get to live into that promise to experience it, to take hold of the Spirit's presence with us um, here and now and always. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of still um, reveling in that truth right now. I, I don't know that I've ever really thought about it exactly in that way. And it's a lovely, I mean, if I can back up even a bit more to the season of Lent, what we're mindful of is, you know, our faithfulness. How are we doing uh, in terms of our relationship with God and others? And then in Easter, we do, just like you're saying, come to discover God's faithfulness towards us. Um, because in the end, um, it's God that's made this relationship possible and continues to make it possible through the sending of the Holy Spirit. A connection, if we can, uh, to this reading and to the Tower of Babel, I think is something worth exploring right now. Yes, yeah, so the story of Pentecost is this really fun kind of inversion or reordering of the um, Tower of Babel story where, you know, humans are not the most faithful creatures and that they try to, you know, build this giant tower leading to God. Um, doesn't work out. God sort of scatters them um, and gives them different languages so that they can't really understand one another. And Pentecost is just the total flip of that, right? Like they are all speaking different languages, but there is this mutual understanding. There's this unity um, amidst the diversity. Um, I also, part of that image, that reversal of humanity kind of doing everything that they can to reach God, part of that reversal, I think, is this downward uh, motion, this this movement from heaven to earth, from God. To us. To us. Yeah. Which is also part of that reversal. Not only is it binding people together, but the movement is from heaven down to earth, not human beings climbing up some ladder, uh, you know, pulling themselves up from their bootstraps. Yeah. So the ancient story of like, wow, people really, really try and really, really fail. And God consistently seeks us out and is faithful and um, always near is kind of the story of Pentecost. Here's a prayer from St. Augustine's prayer book. O divine love, a sacred bond uniting the Father and the Son, Almighty Spirit, faithful comforter of the afflicted, Penetrate the depth of my heart and fill it with the brightness of thy light. Send upon this desert, which is my soul, the sparkling dew of thy grace, and make fruitful that which has long been barren. Let the fiery darts of thy love reach the sanctuary of my soul, and entertaining therein, set it on fire with so bright a flame that all my weakness, neglect, and languor may be consumed in the passion of thy gentle embrace. Come, O come, sweet comforter of desolate souls, refuge in danger and defender in distress, 
Come with thy gifts of penitence and healing of wounds. Come, strength of the weak. Come, teacher of the humble. Come, Holy Spirit. We hope you all enjoyed this episode of Empty Pews. Uh, We want you to know that in the weeks ahead, you should be receiving some communication uh, from me and from the vestry about how we here at Incarnation uh, will start to open up our doors so that we can worship together. We just got guidelines and parameters from the bishop, so we will be incorporating those into our plan. And please join us for our Bible study on Tuesday morning at 1030. It's a whole lot of fun and maybe a little confusing as we study Romans, um, but you all are welcome. And especially this Sunday, please join us for the Feast of Pentecost at 1030 um, for this great feast of the church. We love you. We miss you. God's peace.